A brand new theme today called Exposition and Ethos. And the hope is that this will be a thoughtful, nuanced, and humble way to learn Scripture and the values or the rule of life that it presents so that we can all flourish in our friendship with Jesus. That's what I want to do. I want to just flourish in my relationship with Christ. That's what I desire, and I know you want the same thing. The plan is to take the five Sundays that we have here in October plus one Sunday in November and just walk verse by verse through different passages of Scripture. That's the exposition part. And then we will take what we discover and use that to build character for daily living. That's the ethos part or the takeaway section of our time together. Over the first two weeks here, we are going to focus exclusively on a theology of work. What does God say about work? And what does God want for each and every one of us with our vocation? What does God want for us? And what does he desire to accomplish through us in terms of our careers? Now, perhaps you are here and you are no longer in a season of work. Maybe you are retired. While the rest of us are very jealous of you, but we know that even retired people have work. And so I would encourage you to lean into this and listen because I think God has something for you. Or maybe you are between working situations. Or maybe your work does not involve payment, but yet you're still working quite a bit for that. Or maybe you're very young and you haven't even started a career yet. I want to encourage everybody, no matter your station of life or no matter your situation, as you think about vocation and work and a career, to listen to what the Word of God has to say to us because it's very helpful and practical. Here's our walking path for today. Here's how I want to approach this. I want to give a word about work, which will also include a big idea. And then we're going to look at Genesis chapters 1 and 2. And we're not going to read through that section, but we will look at what is found there. And then I want to give an exposition of Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 through 25. We'll walk through that kind of verse by verse and discover what the Apostle Paul is saying there about our work. And then I want to talk about the sweet spot. When aspects of our lives and our vocation and what God wants to accomplish in the world comes together. That's called the sweet spot. And I'll reference someone who talks about that. And then we'll end with ethos or character for living. And that will be our takeaway section. Let's begin with a word about work. As part of how we talk about Valley Point Church and our vision here for pointing people to real relationships and real significance, we have four faith catalysts or four faith values that frame our vision and our mission. 
Those four faith catalysts or faith values are truth, people, generosity, and location. And each one of them has some language that explains the value. See if this sounds familiar to you. For the value of location, we say this, and you can see it on the screens. We love our neighbors and seek to be a joyous presence where we live, work, and play. This is part of our vision frame as a faith community, that we love our neighbors, the people in our world. And our desire, and we certainly do this in imperfect ways because we are frail humans, but our desire is to be a joyous presence where we live, where we work, and where we play. So our dream here at Valley Point with our vision frame involves our work. And as followers of Jesus, we can be, indeed we should be, a joyful presence in our vocation, where we work. We should have a joyous presence there. I firmly believe that our work matters to God. Whatever it is that you do for work, and again, whether you're paid for that or not, your work matters to God, deeply matters to Him. And hopefully that makes sense as we move through our time together. Not only does your work matter to God, but your work is sacred. And maybe you've never considered these thoughts before. That my work, it, it matters to God. And it does because this is how we have the opportunity to provide for ourselves and for our families and how we have the opportunity to hold what we have been given by God with open hands and be generous with our work and what we accumulate there and bless the world. So our work matters to God. And our work is also sacred because we are all called to work or to labor as unto the Lord. That's what Colossians tells us, and we'll get to that in just a moment. Doug Sherman and William Hendricks wrote a book called Your Work Matters to God, and their conclusion is that work is intrinsically valuable. This follows from the fact that God is a worker and has created mankind in his image as his co-worker. And that brings us to our big idea for today, and I would encourage you to fill in some of these blanks and take good notes so you can come back to our content throughout the week and allow it to form and challenge you. Here's our big idea. Work willingly. Work willingly, and we'll think more about this in just a moment when we get to our exposition of Colossians chapter 3. But first... Genesis chapters 1 and 2. What we find in the opening pages of the Bible, first book and first chapters, is that God himself is creating and inventing. If you look at Genesis chapter 2, we get a recap of sorts where it talks about how God created all kinds of things. He created everything, and part of his creation was he planted a garden. And then he created Adam, 
And he appointed Adam to take care of what God had planted. So think about this. God worked in that he planted a garden. And then he looks at Adam and he says, I have labor for you now. I have work for you to do in taking care of what I have created. Adam was a co-worker with God. God planted. And then Adam came along and his labor was to take care of the work that God initiated. Now imagine for just a moment. Imagine with me. If we had this kind of view of God and our work, just imagine, as we approach our work, whatever that is, if we had that kind of view, that I am a co-worker with God. It's not just me. God created, and I have the opportunity now to co-work with him. What a difference this would make as we approach our vocation and our labor. Imagine if somebody came to you and said, hey, what are you doing today? Well, I'm so glad you asked. You may not believe this, but I'm actually co-working with God today as I teach my third grade class. Or I'm co-working with God as I engineer. Or I'm co-working with God today as I parent and I may not get paid for that, but it is my work and my calling. Or imagine if we said, you know what I'm doing today? I'm actually co-laboring with God as I find financial solutions for my organization. Or I am co-laboring with God today as I extend nursing care. Just imagine if we said that. I am working with God today as I do whatever it is that my job may be. Now, it's possible that that response could land you in a conversation with HR. So you might have to be careful, but co-working with God, this principle here, I think is absolutely shocking. And God invites us into this kind of life and this kind of labor. Co-work with me. Let's do it together. I think this is a shocking principle that could change everything, especially when we don't feel great about our work or we don't like it. Now, we could probably just stop there and pray and ask God to help us co-labor with him in a new week and be done and go on with our day. But I have much more to say, and the Eagles don't play until 1 p.m., Go birds. So let's get into the exposition of Colossians chapter 3. With your Bible or your device, please join me in this New Testament book authored by the Apostle Paul. We're going to be looking at just a few verses in chapter 3. And this particular passage in Colossians chapter 3 verses 23 through 25 is in a broader section where the Apostle Paul is addressing what is commonly referred to as household codes or a way for people to be properly related to each other. Part of that involves our labor and our work. Paul, in Colossians, is addressing believers 
or followers of Christ. And if you look at chapter 1, verse 2, that makes it clear. The Apostle Paul says, We are writing to God's holy people in the city of Colossae, who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. So I think it's pretty clear here that the people being addressed are those following the way of Jesus. Colossae was a city located approximately 120 miles east of the great port city of Ephesus. Today, this is all part of what is known as southwestern Turkey for frame of reference. What we find then in Colossians chapter 3 is interesting because I think there is great application for us and our work. So let's walk through this together. Here we go. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 says, Work willingly. And that's our big idea. Work willingly. This word willingly is interesting. Some versions actually use the word heartily. So you can pick up on the heartbeat of the Apostle Paul as he is addressing people and how they work, that they would approach it this way. Work willingly or work heartily. And that comes from a Greek word that literally means from the soul or with personal interest. So work willingly, work heartily, from the soul, with personal interest. This is how we should labor. And then it goes on to say, at whatever you do. So work willingly, work heartily from the soul with a personal interest at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. And then we get this reminder in verse 24. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. So the encouragement we find here is that our motivation for work should actually be spiritual. It shouldn't be for personal gain or for the accumulation of things or just to provide for myself and for my family. It's not just about achieving, although those things do come with working willingly and heartily. The challenge here is that we should do all of that because our work is actually spiritual in nature because we should be working as unto the Lord. He's the authority. He's the boss, so to speak. He is the one that is over and above us if we have embraced his leadership and forgiveness. So remember to work for him and he will give you an inheritance as your reward. And the master you are serving is Christ. Now, look at verse 25. But if you do what is wrong, and this is a a very interesting phrase here, if you do what is wrong, it means to be unjust or to hurt or to be an offender. So if you do that with your work, well, it goes on to say, you will be paid back for the wrong you have done. For God has no favorites. So the picture we have here with the conclusion of this section on labor is that if you do what is right, 
in your work and in your laboring heartily and willingly, then there is a reward for that. But if you do what is wrong, well, there is a reward for that too. So, think about this. Colossians and these few verses here. It helps us to see that God gives us work, number one, so we can heartily contribute knowing there is a reward. And that's why we are encouraged and challenged. Work willingly, work heartily at what God has given to you. Number two, as a reminder that we are really working for him. We work as unto the Lord. He is our authority. And then number three, as a way to serve others and bring justice by avoiding what is wrong. Which means, when you take these three thoughts based on what we have read in Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 through 25, when you take these three thoughts, it means that we do not have to view work as a necessary evil. Because work is actually not a necessary evil. If we are communicating that, if we say that, then we are communicating that God did something that was necessarily evil because he worked. But we know that God cannot do that. It is not a necessary evil. It is something that we get to join God in doing together. We are co-laborers with him, and that is a great thing and a healthy thing, even when our work may be hard and even when we do not appreciate it or like it. Again, this whole principle, I co-labor with God. I have the opportunity to work with him, and everything that I'm doing is just a shocking principle. Okay, let's talk about the sweet spot for a few moments. Amy Sherman wrote a book called The Kingdom Calling, it's all about vocational stewardship for the common good. If you are looking for literature about work, I would encourage you to grab this book. Also, the other book I referenced, Your Work Matters to God, they're very dynamic and they give us a great picture of how we co-labor with God in everything that we do and we can find joy in laboring with him. So in Amy Sherman's book, Kingdom Calling, she talks about the sweet spot of work, and she kind of pictures it this way. So she describes God's priorities in our lives as we co-labor with him, and then she also talks about my passions and gifts. Probably gifts is a better way to think about this, because our passions do come and go in life. But our gifting often remains the same, and we have the opportunity to strengthen that and improve it. So that's an aspect of our work, right? There's God's priorities, and there's my gifting and my passions. And then there's this aspect of the world's needs as well. And perhaps you've never thought about what you have done, or maybe it's been a long time since you've thought about your vocation and your labor in terms of the world's needs, there's probably something there that you can point to in terms of blessing the world with your vocation and with your labor. And we'll talk about that more in just a moment. So God's priorities, 
my gifting and the world's needs. You've seen these things before. Where this meets here in the middle, the converging of these three components, Amy Sherman refers to that as the sweet spot. Where God's priorities, my gifting, and the world's needs, where that comes together is a sweet spot, and this is where we can really enjoy and find great satisfaction in our work. Question. As you think about this, God's priorities, your gifting, the world's needs, and where those three things come together, is it possible for you, in your laboring, as you work willingly, And as you work heartily as unto the Lord, as you co-labor with Jesus himself, can you move a little bit closer to what Amy refers to as the sweet spot of work? Can you do that? I think this sometimes can be really hard to connect because we tend to separate the sacred and the secular. And often we say there is a sacred part of my life, especially if you have trusted in Jesus to rescue you. There's the religious part. There's the faith component. And that certainly is sacred. But there's also all this secular stuff that happens in my life, like work. And we tend to bifurcate those things. There's the sacred over here, and maybe way over here is the secular, and those two things do not mingle. I hope we all come to understand today that your work, if it's in a public school, or if it's in a bank, or if it's part of some organization that really doesn't have a faith component to it at all, that that work is indeed sacred itself, Because we have been called in that space to co-labor with God in whatever we are doing. So I hope that we all come to understand that the sacred and the secular really do mix. And when it comes to our work and our vocation, it truly is sacred. Amy Sherman, in her book, has a whole section on... God's labor, and what that looks like for each and every one of us. I'm going to walk through this. I don't normally read this long of a section, but it is so good. And I just want you to be refreshed with this, and you listen for your calling. You listen for your gifting as you hear some of this, and think about God's priorities and the world's needs, And see if in your vocation you don't have the opportunity to move a little bit closer to that sweet spot. So just listen to this. God's labors include the following. Redemptive work. Humans participate in this kind of work, for example, as evangelists, pastors, counselors, and peacemakers. So do writers, artists, producers, songwriters, poets, and actors who incorporate redemptive elements in their stories, novels, songs, films, performances, and other works. God's labors include creative work. God gives humans creativity, right? People in the arts, sculptors, actors, painters, musicians, poets, and so on display this, as do a wide range 
of craftspeople such as potters, weavers, and seamstresses, as well as interior designers, metal workers, carpenters, builders, fashion designers, architects, novelists, and urban planners, and more. God's labors include providential work. The work of divine providence includes all that God does to maintain the universe and human life in an orderly and beneficial fashion. Thus, innumerable individuals, such as bureaucrats, public utility workers, public policymakers, shopkeepers, career counselors, shipbuilders, farmers, firemen, repairmen, printers, transport workers, IT specialists, entrepreneurs, bankers and brokers, meteorologists, research technicians, civil servants, business school professors, mechanics, engineers, building inspectors, machinists, statisticians, plumbers, welders, janitors, and all who help keep the economic and political order working smoothly reflect this aspect of God's labor. God's labors include justice work, judges, lawyers, paralegals, government regulators, legal secretaries, city managers, prison wardens and guards, policy researchers and advocates, law professors, diplomats, supervisors, administrators, and law enforcement personnel participate in God's work of maintaining justice. God's labors include compassionate work, preachers, scientists, educators, journalists, scholars, and writers are all involved in this sort of work. In all these various ways, God the Father continues his creative, sustaining, and redeeming work. All right, think about that for a moment. A very significant statement. This is how God continues his redeeming and restorative work through our human labor. This gives our work great dignity and purpose. And I think it's where we have the opportunity to see God's priorities, my gifts, and the world's needs come together in the sweet spot. Now, here's what probably helps with thinking about the sweet spot of God and labor. We live our lives in seasons, don't we? And seasons come and go. Maybe right now you find yourself in a season where you love your vocation, and your work. And you are now more energized than ever to get into that sweet spot and co-labor with God. That's wonderful. Congratulations. Enjoy this season of life. But maybe for some of you, it's the complete opposite of that. And you are so far from the sweet spot. You know, you're, you're somewhere out in center field trying to catch fly balls and having a hard time doing that, like some of our friends on the Phillies. Maybe that's where you find yourself, that you're really far from the sweet spot. Well, we're going to step into our ethos section here, and I think you'll find some helpful elements if that's how you feel. But I also want to encourage you this way. If you feel far from the sweet spot, I really want to encourage you to come back next week because I'm going to be talking to two individuals who have worked through this 
in their own lives and in their careers. And I think they're going to have some very helpful things for you to say. So if you're still struggling with my vocation and it doesn't feel good and I don't like it and how can I co-labor with God and something that's just not working well for me during this season, I'd encourage you to come back next week. But let's step now into ethos, character for daily living because I think you'll find some help here as well. Three thoughts. Number one, view work through the lens of co-working with God. And if that's all that you have to hang on to, (laughs) like I just, I can't stand my work and it's not good, it's not fulfilling. I'm really not using my giftedness in this particular spot right now during this season. Then view your work through the lens of co-laboring with God and see if that doesn't help bridge you until the next opportunity. By the way, I think if we do this, it will help us to stay rooted in Christ. Because after all, we are called to labor as unto the Lord, work willingly for him. Maybe I have a hard time doing that for someone else, but if I view it from the lens of working and laboring with God, it does change perspective a little bit and will help us remain rooted. Number two, if work is not good, Pray diligently and wait patiently. And the waiting part is waiting on God. Doesn't mean we stay inactive and don't pursue something that changes that. I think we have a responsibility in this to act and do what we can to get into a sweet spot of labor. But if work is not good, let's pray diligently and wait for God to work through our own efforts. And then number three, remind yourself, probably daily, that our work may be the best place to demonstrate common grace. Just remind yourself, where I am at right now, whether it's really good or it's awful, this is where I have the greatest opportunity as an apprentice of Jesus to demonstrate common grace to others. Now, I know that's the last blank, and you're thinking about walking out of here in just a moment. I want you to stick with me, because here's what common grace is. Let's think about that. One scholar defined it this way, it's the love and favor God shows toward all his creation, regardless of whether they acknowledge him or have faith in Christ. So, here's the deal. As a believer in Jesus... Everywhere we go, okay, everywhere we go, including our work, we have the opportunity to extend common grace to other people, a picture that God is good through my life, through how I work, through how I respond to other people. Whether they believe in God or not, I have the opportunity to be a giver of common grace. And this is another reason why our work is so sacred. I read recently that committed believers from the age of 26 or 25 to 65, so over a 40-year period, 25 to 65, who regularly attend Sunday gatherings would log about 2,200 hours of church. 
or religious training. It's a decent amount of hours, over 40 years, 2,200. By contrast, you will spend 96,000 hours at work during the same 40-year period. Our work, then, becomes the primary place where we can demonstrate common grace. Not church. Not church. Our work becomes the primary place where we can help other people understand that God is good, whether they believe in him or like him or not. So the challenge here is be a dispenser in your vocation and where you work of common grace. Work willingly. Work heartily from the soul as unto the Lord. May God ignite in us a desire to co-work with him and work willingly. Will you pray with me? Father, we come to you thankful for some time just to look at a, a topic we don't often consider. Actually, I think we forget about it because we separate religion and everyday life often. We kind of separate the secular and the sacred. But yet, God, I think we are called to steward our work for the common good. And we do that by extending common grace. And we do that by working willingly and heartily. God, for those who hear this and, and they're super encouraged because they love their work and they're finding a lot of fulfillment there, help them to just keep going and to keep looking up to you, recognizing that they co-labor with you and for you in that space. And may this season last a long time for them. God, for those who hear this and maybe feel disappointed or discouraged because they're far from the sweet spot and work is not good or fulfilling or maybe for some it's been hard to find work and so there's a bit of an ache and a disappointment in thinking about working willingly and heartily. God, I pray that you would lift up these individuals May they not feel guilt in any way, but may they be encouraged that even if they're far from that sweet spot where priorities and gifting and the world's needs come together with vocation, even if they're far from that, may they have just a fresh perspective on, I get the opportunity tomorrow to get up and to step into a new week and to co-labor with God himself and to be a dispenser of common grace in this place until God takes me into something new. So God, may all of us be encouraged that our work deeply matters to you and that our work is sacred 
So help us, God, to live out our mission as a church, which I believe you have given to us to be a joyous presence where we live, work, and play. Help us to do that now, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.